Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new format of the Performing the Arts podcast. We are now an actual podcast. Now, well, not an actual podcast. We've always been a podcast, but this is more along the lines of the Performing Arts in general podcast. So, yeah, I'm joined today by my great co-host, Hayden, who you probably all heard before. Hello there. It's probably been a while. Yeah, he's been a while <laughs> since he was one of my first guests. So I asked him, it's like, hey, you know, I have an idea for a podcast. You want to try and help me with it? And he's like, yeah, sure. So um, <laughs> Yes, with that, exam- that same squeaky voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, I can help with that. Tell, like, what type of podcast this is going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just no filter and whatnot. So, but yeah, uh, we're talking about essentially the... The, the main point of this podcast is to essentially, or discussion is essentially about the performing arts industry in general. And when you think about performing arts, Hayden, what do you automatically think of? You think of just like a- acting on stage, right? Uh if this was like years ago, that would have been my first thought. But honestly, I'm definitely more gravitating towards more like the filmmaking side of it. Yeah, it's like now when you think of performing arts, it's like, oh, there's uh, acting, directing, writing, editing. Uh, or it's like all the stunt work, the VFX, yeah, but, CGI work, just every single aspect of that behind the scenes. Yeah. And of course, there's all that, you know, all the same kind of behind the scenes stuff, more or less, that you'll see with theater, but it's to a different degree. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, uh, shout out to my uh, great stagehands that I know and love. Uh but yeah, the idea of this podcast is essentially we're going to be talking about almost like a current events week in review uh, in performing arts. Like, for starters, Broadway is back, baby. Yes, after a long, long hiatus, almost, what was it, a year and a half or so? Oh, yeah, yeah I think so, yeah. Yeah, going on a year and a half because of the coronavirus, uh, Broadway has officially come back in full force last night was the opening of several of its high profile shows including the lion king which actually streamed on tiktok last night I wait on tiktok yeah apparently uh they streamed the opening night on tiktok on the disney on broadway uh tiktok account Damn. and yeah uh, i couldn't find the link so it probably was like one of those things where you had to go and like watch it as it was airing and then suddenly it was just like suddenly tossed away because I tried going there because I had to do something last night and then it's like oh seven o'clock rolled around and that's when they said they were doing it and then suddenly I just couldn't find the, the streaming link so I'm guessing it is I guess it was like come first come first come first serve I have no idea how going live on TikTok works I still I it's probably I like just, Instagram like where you can set it to Instagram where it's like you can go live and then the uh, the live video can immediately just kind of fade away into the ether once you yeah. finished it so that's probably what happened. But essentially, yeah, Bro- uh, Broadway is back after essentially a, a year and a half of hiatus on shows, uh, people working uh, over Zoom or Skype or what like this, uh, and just like unable to be on stage. And the videos I was seeing about Broadway coming back, yeah, I, I, it's like that. a lot of people haven't really missed their step. Uh, what was it? Um, uh, someone shared a video of Hades Town uh, about mm. to start uh, their first performance, and the moment you like, you got all the background actors, actresses, performers, whatnot, 
and going on stage and then sitting down and waiting for Andre Seals to essentially warm up the crowd. It's like the moment he stepped on the on stage, you already automatically heard all the people just uh, clapping for him. And then the moment he spoke his first lines, that's when the crowd just started growing, just started roaring into life because uh, with shows like Hades Town, The Lion King, that's a lot of high energy, you know, type of musicals. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, and of course, I mean, I musicals in general are going to be well, high yeah. energy. You, I mean, you need high energy if you actually want to sustain musical to begin with. So yeah, makes yeah. sense. Uh, but I haven't really seen that type of high energy with other musicals. You know, I, I've seen, you know, when I was working at a, a Today Ticks a few years ago, I would be going to a lot of musicals and I would see a lot of people going into musicals, like say, like Mean Girls. So mm -hmm. there'd be a lot of people going into Mean Girls, like very high energy, all that stuff. And I wouldn't expect that show to be like a very high energy type of show. Like, I'm not saying Mean Girls isn't a high-energy show. It's just that I just never actually see Mean Girls musical. So, mm -hmm. But, you know, the same thing with Fan of the Opera. One of the shows I really want to go see, because one, is it's a Broadway... It's obviously one of those things where it's just like, the moment you're... I think, I think, it's, I think it's got to a point where there are several Broadway shows where it's like the moment you sit down and hear those opening tunes and whatnot, like, you know you're in for a ride. What is your experience with Broadway? Is like, have you? Because I, I'm not sure if you're still living in New York or if you moved out of New York. But I know, like last year, before we, I know that you kind of like managed to move to the Midtown, but like in the quieter part of Midtown. That was like after like the uh, the wave of people just like up, up and leaving New York City during the, the the height of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So first off, worst time to move to Midtown. When there's no Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it, it it was the most like, you know, pretty much dead for the most part. I mean, well, probably wrong choice of words considering, but yeah, it was, there was like no energy really there, which, you know, understandable considering pandemic and all. Um, uh, sorry, I think I forgot the question. <laughs> uh, no, uh, the question was, uh, you still live in New York, right? No, I moved back to Georgia. Like, um. Uh, just a little over a year ago, actually, like a year oh. and a month ago. Oh, okay, wow. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, when you were living in uh, New York City and being in, the, in in Midtown, at least to the fact, you clearly saw like there was like uh, a notion of uh, Broadway power for the most part, right? Oh yeah, I mean, there's all there's always gonna, like a love for Broadway there. Like, no matter what show it is, like, if it's a show on Broadway, there's going to be, like, an air of, like, excitement and love for whatever show is going to be on, you know, one of those streets. Like, if you just have, like, if you just happen to be like, walking past the theater when they're about to start letting people in to see the show, it's like, you, you can already feel the energy in the air. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's gonna call it? Uh, one, the fun, like, one of the most weirdest fun times that I would always be as work for today ticks was outside of Frozen. And I would not think, as, oh, it's Frozen as a family show. And, of course, you know, it's like, I would see a lot of families going in. And, of course, the, the energies that the families have going into the show, it's always so full of life. It was like, it was always one of my favorite shows to go because, one, you know, you're standing outside, you know, you're directly behind Fennin at the Opera. So you kind of like, kind of like see all the people going to Fennin at the Opera. Then across the street from you, there's Frozen. And you just see all these, like, it's almost like a compare and contrast where it's like, you have the, the romantic side, I mean, the romantic side of Broadway, which is fandom, 
And then you have the more popular, popular uh, Broadway productions, which was Frozen, which is more like the, the Disney side. And, and also, also another um, interesting kind of compare and contrast is like you have an original classic like Phantom of the Opera, and then you have an instant classic, which is, well, not only Frozen, but just a Disney musical in general. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's like, it's always weird to see like how uh, how many people would always go see Phantom, which was usually probably like a lot of tourists. And mm. a lot of people would see um, Frozen would be a lot of families. So I imagine like going into Broadway again, that the theaters are probably going to be like a lot more, I wouldn't say difficult with families, but I imagine this probably got to be a lot like not, maybe not as much families, but probably trying as, be the same amount of families going in because I know there's probably going to be a lot more people going into see Broadway now that it's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but see, uh, but speaking of Broadway, do you have any shows that you kind of like are itching to see like on stage? Just like once you feel it's like right enough to actually come back to New York City, just like say for like a week or so. I'm not entirely sure to be honest because I mean, some- honestly, I've kind of just gotten. Well, one is like I I didn't really see a whole lot of Broadway shows to begin with. Yeah. And I kind of and also with you know, with the having to spend so much time kind of inside, I've just kind of gotten so used to just like you know, oh well, there's something I don't want to watch, I can easily find it on a streaming service, so I can just pull it up on the you know laptop. Uh, I know for a fact that one of the shows that I've been actually wanting to, see, yeah, one of the shows that I wanted to see but was shut down because like because of the well prop prop blah. One of the shows I definitely did want to see prior to the pandemic was Beetlejuice, the musical, the musical, the musical, mm. musical. But it was shut down prior because of one, the pandemic, because apparently of low sales or something about sales. Uh, according to a lot of people, it was saying that, oh, it wasn't bringing as much money as it was previously. Because mm. one, it was Winter Garden Theater and the Winter Garden Theater is all that stuff. But a lot of people were just saying, it's like, it, the the sales was just like a, a a way to say oh by the way it's like they're not bringing enough money let's just shut them down toss them out and mm-hmm. this was right at the height of the pen right before the pandemic really really struck and and then suddenly it's like oh by the time it was like June it was like oh okay June they were officially out of the Winter Garden Theater and then suddenly it's like well actually the, actually I, I'm wrong the they were given at least a few months in notice to say, oh, at the start of 2020, so like around New Year's Eve, New Year's Day or so, yeah, they were given the, the choice of, oh, by the time it's June, you all got to get out of here. You know, it's like, because Hugh Jackman is going into, uh, going to be going into the, uh, going to be taking over for the Music Man, and then suddenly the Music Man will be in the Winter Garden Gender and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, as... March is rolling around, people getting more, this show is getting more and more popular because people don't want it to actually go. Pandemic struck, and then suddenly it's like, not only did Frozen shut down because of the pandemic, uh, Beauty Juice shut down, and a few other shows is like essentially just shut down and all that stuff. And then Beauty Juice is coming back, surprisingly mm-hmm. enough. Nice. Yeah, Good they're, for them. Yeah, they're taking over the, the Marquis Theater in the Marquis Hotel. Oh. I've been there before. It's a very nice hotel and it's a very nice theater. Um, mm-hmm. I went to see uh, Tootsie, the musical there. And, mm. you know, uh, Tootsie was 
all right to say the least but mm-hmm. it, it 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 was a it, it was a style choice to make a musical so yeah uh, <laughs> Uh, nothing against Tootsie and all that stuff, but it, it's an odd... I mean, I could easily see why they updated everything to the character being a Broadway actor or at least an off, a stage actor as opposed to a, a TV actor because TV is a lot more of a medium on TV compared to Broadway actors or oh, if you're do, doing something that relates to acting on stage, it's like, oh, just make him like a, a stage actor or something like that. He wants to go to Broadway or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been to that theater before. And it's it's a nice enough theater. It's it's not that it's pretty large to say at least. I think it's like maybe it's it has like maybe two levels, which is like the sense of the ground floor level up to the, like the orchestra seats, and then the sense of the mezzanine. So it's basically not that like. So you have like the mezzanine and then you have like the ground floor. So it's like a very large ground floor too. So you got like the back orchestra and then you have like the orchestra seats and then essentially then you have the mezzanine seats. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, you know, it's like you, you got a lot, they have a lot of ground to play with. And I was just surprised to see that because, you know, a lot of the people who were fans of the musical generally believed that it was probably going to be gone because of the pandemic and no one really wanted to re-invest or something like that? Or, I don't, I don't know what... Well, Beetlejuice is kind of a tricky one because yeah. it's very much one of those um, movies to begin with where it's like a lot of people who are familiar with that movie will have already seen the musical. And I I doubt they would probably be going back like two or three times. And, and it's a tricky one to market too because, you know, people like us, like, yeah, we know Beetlejuice the movie, but I feel like as kind of a general... Um, at least with a general Broadway, you know, audience standpoint, they might not be as familiar with um, the movie Beetlejuice. Yeah. So they might just see it and they'd be like, oh, it's just, oh, okay, it's just a fun Halloween kind of musical. You just go and watch it on Halloween. Like, because it feels very seasonal. Yeah, it is. And then it's like, and then it's like, you know, you go and see it on Halloween. It's like, okay, I don't have to see this again until maybe next Halloween. So then I'll yeah. just go see all the other musicals going on or something like that. But from what I've seen of the, the musical itself, it's very self-referential. So having like a very self-referential type of musical, especially when you're poking fun in the fact that it is something like Beetlejuice, uh, you know, as a musical itself. So it's like, oh, you know, it's like, you know, this is like Beetlejuice is like one of my favorite Tim Burton movies, if not favorite Tim Burton movie. And so it's like when you're trying to make something like that into a musical and then suddenly it's like it's a hot, it's a very popular musical especially with its own fan base, mm-hmm. you definitely do feel like, oh, you know, you definitely do feel like, oh, there's a, you know, it has a share of, it, they have their share of fans, and then suddenly the share of, I think it's because it's a fan base that allows it to keep on going, because Ratatouille, which a TikTok musical, somehow was able to get into its own, uh, thing on excuse me on uh, NBC like earlier this year or maybe late last year I forgot when it was but yeah it was a big thing and then suddenly it was like you have all these Broadway actors on TV you know singing about stuff that happened in Ratatouille the movie or something like that I have no idea I don't know I don't don't even know how that even worked but (laughs) (laughs) which goes to show you how well, I'm in how well immersed I am as a uh, theater actor. I mean, I, I know you know what they probably did. 
They probably like took the rat who um was like carrying the pizza slice down the subway steps, and then they trained him for so long, and then now, <laughs> now it's like how oh, this rat is like a Broadway star. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pizza Rat is a a a a musical somewhere. Uh, yeah, Pizza Rat, Pizza <laughs> Rat. Again, take this, the slice down the steps. This is again, this is the type of show where you're going to be listening, to folks. Uh, hopefully weekly, but yeah. But speaking of uh, movies and stuff like that too, Beauty's actually segue segue right into my next uh, topic that I want to talk about. Which is theaters, you know, movie theaters itself versus streaming, and the battle that seems to be happening a lot more precedent now. Uh, mm-hmm. At least in my eyes, uh, I know that there's a lot. You know, I recently saw Shang Chi, which is an amazing film, by the way. Mm-hmm. I can highly recommend to go see it. And seeing it in theaters is an amazing experience because you have all these people who are just watching the film, just like clapping, yelling, and all that stuff. And then suddenly you get there, you get the sensation of why it was a, an only in theaters type of movie because you had an experience in theaters. Uh, yeah. Like that, and that's just like definitely the Marvel experience in general yeah. with their movies. It's like, it's, it is better to see them in the theaters because it's like, yeah, everyone around you is just as equally amped and excited to see this as you are. And that reaction just kind of like their, their excitement, their energy equally feels, fills you up with that energy. And you already have that energy to begin with. So it's just boiling over. Yeah. I remember last year that the, that Candyman before it came out, they were releasing it like later, you know, into this year because they wanted it in, theaters because they wanted that in theater experience because Candyman is literally that type of uh horror movie that you want to experience with a full crowd because it's you know it's not about all the twists and turns as you know the jump scares and whatnot it's more along the lines of being in an environment that you know and love and watching a film that kind of like uh tiptoes around the idea of what is scary and what is, uh, you know, what is horror, you know, all that stuff, and what is familiar. And mm-hmm. the idea of, you know, of a urban legend coming out to get you, and you're in a movie theater by yourself, and then suddenly you feel someone, right, you know, maybe uh, moving toward, you know, moving back, you know, you know feeling a little... Per, you know, uh, someone like, like literally, maybe getting up to use the bathroom, and then you feel a little uh, chill in the thing. You turn around, no one's there, and then you just see someone walking away. It was like, oh, okay, there was just someone. You know, it's someone who just needed to go use the bathroom. But when you have in like a setup like that, you obviously need the the theater experience because one, when you're watching a horror film in a theater, it's much more fun because it's a lot more loud. It's a lot. It's like the same thing with the Marvel method, whereas it's like you need to be in a theater to experience. Yeah. Ugh. The last uh, movie I saw in a theater was 1917, and that is definitely something that had to be seen in a theater to like truly feel that experience of it too. Because it's just how like um like this is I mean I'm just segueing from horror, but like uh, this is like a movie where it's like it was, it's set up to act like it's just an entire one shot and and they and they hide the the cuts and the wipes very effectively well yeah. it's one of those movies where it's like you have to definitely see that in the theater to really feel that experience where it's like 
anything could happen on this on this on this man's journey of trying to go from essentially one trench to another part of the battlefield and all the craziness he's having to make his way through just to deliver a message and the fact that the whole point of it is like it's literally like that world war one was basically where the battles were just essentially we're literally fighting for a couple of inches of extra ground ahead of us yeah uh, I, I remember the same thing last year where Christopher Nolan wanted to have tenant only in theaters and all that stuff. And there wasn't really any theater open to really showcase, uh, you know, the movie experience and the movie experience. And I, and one of my uh, other guests previously, Yoko, he's seen the movie at least more than a few times in the theater. Uh, and the only way to experience that movie in theaters was IMAX. And so, and, and I'm not sure how the IMAX theaters uh, are related to in, in terms of, you know, getting their own movies. But, yeah, it, it definitely – there are movies that you need to be in theaters, the quote-unquote only in theaters type of movies where you need to watch it only in theaters. But then there are movies that were like – you could easily have just sent it out on streaming servers because, you know uh, – a good example of this would probably be, uh, I don't know, uh, a recent movie that just came out only on, that was on a streaming thing. Uh, He's All That, there we go. Hmm. A remake of She's All That, or I would not say remake, but, well, it is a remake, but it's a gender flip remake of She's All That with, you have that type of movie and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm glad that this went to streaming, you know. Compared mm-hmm. to say something like the Suicide Squad, which I greatly enjoyed, or James Wan's new movie, uh, Mal- Malignant. Yeah, Malignant, which was amazing, by the way. That was a movie that I could easily watch myself in theaters. If it was only in theaters and it was marketed more better, I would have gone see that, you know, uh, like day one and stuff like that. But I was glad that that was. Uh, a streaming option to watch on on HBO Max, where it was like, I was just glad that that would be on HBO Max because I kind would not see myself going into a uh, uh, to my local one of my theaters and trying to find a uh, time for this because one, it, you know, it, it it's much more better to watch a horror movie like that on the small, you know, on your TV as opposed to being in theater because if you're in theater and you're watching Malignant, you're probably going to be gripping the seats. You're probably going to be like running all right around because there are a lot of great things in that movie that I don't want to spoil. If you watch it at your home, you could do it safely in your home. But if you're in the theater, you're probably like maybe kicking the back seat, you know, punching the thing, all that stuff. You know, you obviously don't want to be like in, a, in a, uh, an area where it's just like, yeah, and then security was, escorts you out the building. Yes. I'm sorry. It's, it, it, I just got hyped for this movie. I'm like, this is like the most insane type of shit I've seen. And then compared to, I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, uh, like I'm watching it at home. I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing fist pumps and all that stuff. And then suddenly I'm back, uh, I'm back against the wall, holding my pillow tightly because of this, uh, the type of stuff I'm seeing. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds like. You know, horror is definitely coming back because honestly, oh, for yeah. a while, it's like so many horror movies were just like, well, just not really that well done. It seems like they're trying to rely on like the jump scares. 
yeah. instead of just like like truly delving into what can be horrifying and really just playing with it and like letting your audience truly experience horror instead of just like here's a jump scare oh like there like there was one movie i saw like a it's like a long time ago it was like a movie where it's like um this um husband and wife go to like some uh country on like a, a vacation and then the wife gets the antichrist put in her pretty much they just keep relying on these jump scares and i'm like i just don't really care what's going on in this movie <laughs> like i don't feel scared it just feels it just feels weird that really narrows it down too of uh cuz like any horror movie is like oh a husband and wife go and <laughs> like a husband and wife go and go into the countryside and then suddenly evil comes <laughs> yeah like I think what would 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 have tongue tied. I think what would have made a movie like that better is like instead of they just put the Antichrist in her and then they just go on their merry way. Like what if they just get you know not by this cult or something and then they put the Antichrist in her and then they keep her there and then we kind of see like this cult and all their like, insane antics because sometimes the most horrifying thing is just human nature itself. Oh yeah. Uh, which uh, brings me into my next thing about only in theaters type of topic. Uh, Halloween Kills. Uh, Halloween Kills was originally it is still scheduled to go into theaters, but now it's going into now it's going into Peacock, which which is a which may be a way to actually salvage whatever whatever's left of Peacock mm-hmm. because I, I I will admit. We have Peacock, but it's mostly mostly to watch uh, the WWE because you know that's how the WWE kind of like segued into going into pay, uh, Peacock. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Peacock itself and looking at like the type of shows that they have, they have oh they have like uh, Columbo, they have all these old shows like The Rockford Files, like and then they have like and then they have like oh you know it's like you love these fan favorites like Friends, The Office. I'm like. I don't like The Office. I don't like Friends. You know, why, why don't you? <laughs> you're, have... de- you're definitely an odd one out then if you don't like The Office. Yes, I don't like The Office. <laughs> uh, it's like, why don't you have shows that I actually liked? You know, to see back in the day, shows that would probably be only be on like maybe a one or two, and then NBC decided to cancel them. You know, it's like, but and but I think no one really wants to keep on watching Peacock. Because I, because I noticed like over the summer, it's like they had they did the same thing with the Boss Baby two. The Boss Baby two was I believe in theaters, but but also it may have been in theaters, but it was mostly a. They Peacock they did like thing. a, yeah they did double with that one, so they put it in theaters, but they also then put it straight to Peacock as well. Yeah, because it was like uh it it went straight to Peacock, but it was also in theaters, so it's just like the same thing. Like I can understand them, you know using the Boss Baby 2 as a way to get people to watch Peacock. But as of right now, Peacock really doesn't have that many, you know, options in terms of, like, streamable shows. The way they're doing with streamable shows is that they seem to be falling back on, like, fan-favorite things. Like, right now, it's like, uh, they literally just reissued The Office for another, like, another season of The Office called, like, the fan-favorite episodes or super fan episodes or yeah. something like that yeah. and it's and it's just like essentially the the same episode but just like it deleted scenes just like slip back in 
So you're just essentially watching the, the same episode, but deleted scenes just like already in there. It's like, well, I got, I honestly, I'm okay with that because sometimes there will be some scenes that I'm like, okay, these are genuinely fun. It's like, I never would have, you know, seen this unless they did it like this. And I'm like, you know, it's fine because, and because I like the office anyway, I won't, I won't mind like rewatching them and rewatching these super fan episodes to kind of see what material they probably had to cut for one reason or another. Yeah. Like the, I will admit there is, and this actually goes into my uh, uh, another topic, uh, which is trailers, but I'll, I'll keep that a little while. But there is a hilarious scene of, I believe they're trying to punk Dwight into believing he is in the Matrix, and they have someone who looks like Morpheus who calls himself Dorpheus. And yeah, watching, yeah, it, yeah. It was the it was their security guy named Hank. And I'm watching the scene, I'm like, okay, that's actually pretty funny because there are like legitimate moments of the show being funny because I, I will admit I do like the idea of you know James Spader as a boss you know trying to work with James Spader as a boss but it's like the, the typical James Spader type of role he would play but just more and, and he does it so well too like yeah there's a, you know there's a lot of stuff about that show that I just don't like I it, it may be because of the cringe comedy and stuff like that too but at the same time I'm just like I kind of wish that if it fell down if if there wasn't that much cringe comedy, I'd probably enjoy The Office a lot more because I know they're trying to stylize it not as The Office UK, which was, which is based on the Ricky Gervais type of comedy, but if The Office was based on like American type of comedy and poking fun at the small town type of thing, as well, a, as I think a, I have to okay, I think I have to interject here a little bit because so. In the first season of the U.S. Office, they were definitely trying to copy what the U.K. version of the Office was, but then they quickly realized this actually doesn't work. So they then, like, once they went into the second season, they did start changing it up a little bit. And then by the time you get to the third season, it's an entirely different show from what the U.K. version ever was. And not just because you know they, you know, the U.S. Office had more seasons than the U.K. version, but just it's like its style, the way the characters are. Yeah. Because like with the U.K. Office, it's like you just don't really, I don't know, care as much about the characters. Whereas, like, yes, Michael can be, you know, like, just an asshole boss sometimes. But they make his character more relatable because it's just, like, he just doesn't seem to understand and comprehend. Yeah. and also, Instead of just him being, you know, just an asshole for the sake of being an asshole. Yeah, and Steve Carell is that talented of, as an, of an actor that he's able to convey both being an asshole and also being a doofus and also being very sympathetic at the same time. Mm -hmm. But you're not really sure like what type he's, like what type of character he's playing until you realize, oh, this is the type of role that Steve Carell is like really really good at. Yeah, uh, I love how this conversation went from like the, uh, like almost bashing on the peacock to relaying on why the office is good. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is the type of show that you'll probably be uh, heading into, folks. But yeah, originally with Halloween, uh, but back to my original point, Halloween Kills was going to be on the Peacock. But a lot of my, uh, some of my friends, including my horror friends, are thinking that the reason why Halloween Kills is going into, uh, going on to Peacock is a way to salvage it so people could actually come and actually watch more movies that are, or that are essentially going into theaters that are under the, the Universal banner. Because I, I, I feel like if they had released Fast Nine into Peacock, they will probably get a lot more people to go into into watching it. 
but they didn't, and I'm pretty sure they only will have like Fast Nine on Peacock maybe in another like year or so. Yeah, and that's probably just and that's probably just comes down to a deal they uh, made for that movie. Yeah, and yeah, I just imagine like going forward that only in theaters is going to be a lot more. Uh, like a lot more stamp hard because they want people to actually go back in the theaters and like this and this stems themselves away from the streaming option but i'm pretty sure every now and then there'll probably be a a movie that will probably be dumped onto the streaming option without really you know without really essentially uh, a moment's notice like but Mm. yeah like i actually end up stumbling onto like the uh john mc one and two on peacock and I'm like, oh, nice. I love these movies. So I just basically tend to spend a night like rewatching John Wick 1 and 2. Yeah, and uh, fun fact, they actually filmed John Wick 3 right down the block from where I live. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, if you watch John Wick 3, when he's uh, being accosted by assassins or whatnot, he's riding a horse. He's literally riding down the... He's, really, he's literally riding down a horse down the block from where I live. So, yeah, it's... It's like, oh hey, I know the, I know the, that location. I know that location. You know, it's like, oh hey, I, I go to, I go to shop there. You know, <laughs> I, I just love how he like literally like uses a freaking horse to kill the assassins. Well, it's like, like anything, anything in his hands is a weapon. Well, I think it's because uh, in the first movie they made a notion of, uh, oh, he kills someone with a pencil, and then they kind of like, you know what? We'll pick up on that and anything. Like it's like the same thing with Jason Bourne. Like Jason Bourne can kill like someone with literally the entire bathroom. Like like mm-hmm. like literally the entire bathroom. Like, like just a washcloth, pretty much. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, it's like we're playing that game, huh? It's like I won't be surprised. And it's like, it's like the same thing with uh, Bullseye from Daredevil. Not mm-hmm. like Bullseye, not Bullseye Daredevil from the TV series, but that is a good notion too. But I'm talking about Bullseye from from the movie Daredevil as played by Colin Farrell. He literally uses a, 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 a what was it, a, a, a pin to choke some, uh, to uh, kill some guy because the, the guy was just making fun of him the way he was doing um, the darts, because he was kept on doing bullseye on the darts. And then mm-hmm. later he uses a peanut to kill some old lady because he just kept on yeah, channeling away with... Uh, about her grandkids one I'm pretty sure that in the next like maybe John Wicker movie he's probably got up there and just use something as tiny as a battery to kill someone <laughs> yeah or, or probably just it's either going to be something small or something so insanely big or both ah uh, yes next movie John Wick is using a Tesla cannon <laughs> yeah or, or no because well, I think John Wick and Matrix 4 are coming out either on the same day or pretty close to each other no, so it's like yeah. it's like he basically just grabs one of those like um those spaceships that they fly in the Matrix and crashes that into someone. Oh, speaking of the Matrix, uh, it it comes down to my last topic of the week, which is trailers of the week. So, the Matrix Revolution, uh, Revolutions, the Matrix, <laughs> the Matrix Four, Resurrection. Yeah, Resurrection or Resurrections. I just usually just say Matrix 4 because it's much more natural for me. Yeah. Uh, that trailer dropped, and I just recently... They had two ways to promote the trailer. They had one with Yaya's Morpheus, although I think he is playing Morpheus. I'm, I'm kind of like very coy about him playing the actual Morpheus. But mm-hmm. 
he, he but his Morpheus like character, you know, he's they have two options. If you go to like what pill do you take or something like that, you have two options. You take the red pill, which is which is narrated by Yaya, and you have the blue pill, which is narrated by Neil Patrick Harris. And then as you listen to this, they actually name drop the time of like the time you actually watch this. Like I'm like we're recording this in 322 p.m. right now, right? And if you're watching the trailer at 10, right now, it was like, you know, it was like, what is time? And they actually dropped the time. It was 3.22 p.m. I'm like, oh, my God. They actually stick with time in this, too. So hmm. so it, it's a nifty way to actually promote the movie. And then, and then like, a few days later, they actually dropped the the trailer. And, I'm, and I am amazed how not only does this feel like a Matrix, but it feels like it's a step from what the Matrix is going to be about. Because it's like, oh, it's weird because I grew up in a time where the Matrix trilogy was a hot trilogy, especially the first movie. People everywhere wanted to like emulate it for good or bad. And watching the trailer, I'm like, I'm reminded of why people love the Matrix in the first place. You know, not only is it a good story, but it it evolves a lot with the quality of a lot of things. But I can't wait to see where they go with Matrix 4 because I kind of feel like Neil Patrick Harris is probably going to be playing an agent, which is most likely going to be a case. I may be wrong. I'm not sure, but I feel I mean, like... at the very least, he's definitely going to be some kind of computer program. Yeah. That's like trying to manipulate Neo for yeah. one reason or another. Like, he may be the architect or he may be something else, but he's definitely going to be a computer program. Well, there's also at the very end of that trailer, there's like this completely random guy just sitting in I think they're in that same room where at the beginning of the trailer with Neo and Neil Patrick Harris but Neo yeah. sitting in the opposite chair and then this random guy is sitting in the chair Neo was sitting in so I'm wondering like how like, is this going to be the new Agent Smith or is this going to be just some like, or, or could that even be the architect just in a reincarnated or re reprogrammed I guess body yeah and that's another thing about uh, it being called uh resurrections too is that there's aside from neo and trinity a multitude of characters seem to be uh resurrected into new forms or something to that effect or are they really though that's that's a true point (laughs) because that's because like a theory i kind of had a theory i kind of had about this one is that is this are these people really being resurrected or is this all just something in neo's mind because he because trinity definitely dies in the third movie i mean morpheus the the uh, lawrence fishborn morpheus we know survives in the you know human world um and we know neo dies because he essentially sacrifices himself to kill the the agent smith virus essentially so what i think what i feel like could be happening is that this is neo's mind and the machine is trying to keep him alive for one reason or another, possibly trying to like maintain this peace agreement with the machines and humans. But I don't know, this 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 trailer is just so confusing as to what could happen in the movie. And which is good because like there's so many trailers where it's like you watch it and it's like you pretty much already have an idea of what's gonna happen in the movie. Like there's a uh well actually well it's two trailers I want to talk about, but Quickly, now that I'm kind of on this subject, like the trailer for Reminiscence with Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson. I haven't really watched that one. 
I haven't watched the movie either, but I've seen the tra- but like I keep seeing trailers when when I mean when they were promoting it. Yeah. And it's one of those movies where I feel like I already kind of know what's going to happen before I even watch the movie. Yeah. Because I feel like they are almost giving away too much of the game. And and maybe and maybe they have a, you know, a twist in there that I didn't expect, but it feels like a lot of trailers try to give too much away without actually, you know, without with ugh, with like trying to you know yeah I get, get you invested without you know like that's the thing about some of these Marvel movies too is that you know um, what was it Black Widow really doesn't show you that much outside of oh Natasha is running away because this is like during during I mean not during this is before uh, Infinity War but after set during Civil War so she's still on the run so they're not really showing you who you know. Who a lot of these people are is like, who is the taskmaster and all that stuff. And then suddenly you watch the movie, it's like, oh, I can understand why people are like, you know, they hate away with a lot of this stuff. But uh, like, Marvel does a good version of not showing a lot in terms of the uh, of their like trailers. They show you the good stuff, but don't they don't tell you a lot of the plot compared to uh, DC, you know, stuff. They tell you a lot of the plot and they show you some of the good action so you have a fair sense of what you're going into the thing. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think it's a, 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 I'm not saying Marvel doesn't shout out bad uh, uh, trailers, but. Yeah, cause the, because that Spider-Man Homecoming trailer, like I pretty much already predicted that movie before I even saw it in the theater. Yeah, uh, like, at, like Far From Home and then, not, yeah, far, the, that's the second movie, right? Far From Home? Yeah, yeah, Far From Home. Yeah, Far From Home. It's like, oh, come on. You, you're using friggin' Jake Gyllenhaal as, as Mysterio. A world-class bad guy. And then you're trying to set him up as a hero. Come on. It's Mysterio. Mm-hmm. And people are like, yeah, we already knew Mysterio was a bad guy. And then the new one, No Way Home, you kind of don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, like... And, 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 I, and I, like, love not only that... But the fact that they're bringing back like so many of the you know classic villains, like you know we Alpha Merlina's Doc Ock's gonna be back. Yeah. Like, Jamie Foxx's Electro is gonna be back, and I feel like they're gonna do him a little better in this one. But also it's like when they throw the pumpkin grenade shot next to the car, and then you hear Willem Dafoe's um, laugh that he does as Green Goblin. It's like it's yeah. like okay, they gotta be bringing him back into this too. I mean, I mean they could just be doing that just to you know because they know <laughs> fans of Spider Man are gonna eat that up, which. Yeah, they definitely did. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I I think for the most part, something that relates to both uh, No Way Home and The Matrix 4 is that they are bringing some point of nostalgia back to the fans. Like, say, hey, you know, remember this? You know, it's not like, like the South Park, like, hey, remember these? Like, that type of thing. It's like they are bringing the nostalgia back for certain characters. So people, when they do go back and remember these, you know, rewatch these movies, they could go back and say, oh, I can understand why I fell in love with this thing in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when they, it's like in the trailer, they're showing that, um, that Kung Fu fight from the first movie, but you can tell there's going to be a different outcome with this one where it looks like Neo is going to win this time instead of lose. Yeah, or... And, and that's kind of something that I'm wondering if they might be banking on too much, the nostalgia factor. Yeah, because nostalgia is great and all, but you can only sustain nostalgia for so long in a movie. 
like the same thing is going with uh, with your other trail. Like I, I guess we could talk about your trail of the week, which is uh, Dexter Newborn. Oh yeah, like like w- once they announced that Dexter was coming back, I was super excited. Like I was like, just on YouTube, and then you know sometimes they'll interrupt your video to throw on an ad. Yeah. Well, one of those ads was a teaser trailer for Dexter New Blood. And I'm like, okay, I'm already hyped for this. And then when the official trailer came out, I'm like, this is Dexter. This yeah. is what Dexter is. And it, they're bringing it back to like what it should be. Like, now, are they bringing it? They're not bringing it back for the sense of, oh, we kind of like messed up on the last season. So we're kind of like, we need to uh, uh, fix a couple of things. But is it being brought back for the sense of nostalgia because, it, you know, last season of the Dexter was like, I want to say 2011 to 2012. So like maybe eight years ago or something to that effect. Yeah, it was a while back. And so they're definitely not bringing it back because of the sense of nostalgia on the character itself. Because it's been a few years. It's been more than several years for the character. Mm-hmm. Well, it could like it could be that like um well it could just be a mix of things it could be like um they didn't like how season eight ended and they were finally like okay you know what I think we can like bring it back now we can do it better we can kind of fix what happened before because season eight they got a completely different showrunner for that season and it shows that he doesn't that he didn't understand the character or what the show is even essentially about more or less. And it looks like for this one, uh, I'm going to double check the showrunners while I'm talking about this. But uh, something that um, they, that really sticks out to me when I'm watching the trailers is like they're bringing back that Dexter is, you know, talking to a person in his head that he sees. Yeah. And that he is, you know, kind of still living with that guilt and he's carrying that with him. But he's still trying to, like, make the... Like he's still like he's basically it's a it it's a better correlation of the theme of Dexter. Like, does yeah. is Dexter a monster or is he a good person who has to do bad things? Yeah. Because because like the whole question of this is like there's now, I, gonna I, be a new serial killer out there where he is in um some snowy area that I forget where they um uh said it was. It's probably I'll 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 find that later, but like it's Montana or something like that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's yeah. always Montana. Just, Middle of nowhere in the snow. It's always gonna be like Montana or something like that. You not Utah, like Montana or something like that. Because when you think of snow or something like that, where you think, oh yeah, Montana. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's a snowy thing. But I heard that Clancy Brown is gonna be playing the big, the big bad of that uh, miniseries. So you know it's gonna be very good. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, well, first off, you got Clancy Brown. He's got to be a villain. Like (laughs) you can rarely actually have him as a good guy in anything. And I've seen Clancy as a good guy, and he always had, it brings that gravitas of being, oh, he's a bad guy still. It's like, you know, uh, but Chaos actually looks straight up really good. You know, you have uh, Michael C. Hall returning as Dexter. You have Jennifer Carpenter as a figment of, I, I guess, a figment of Dexter's uh, mind. Yeah, was, because, yeah, because um, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen the um, show right, finale like, yeah. of Dexter. Uh, Deborah does die, and yeah. Dexter has to essentially live with that because, of course, he's going to blame himself for yeah. his sister being killed. What's even more interesting is that they are bringing back uh, John Lithgow's Trinity Killer as, I guess, another figment. So it's like, mm-hmm. like the oh, dog- that's yeah, I that's going to be a 
that's that up like when that episode with John Lithgow because like I think it's just gonna be for one episode. Yeah, but that episode is probably gonna be as good as the season two episode Jessica Jones, where David Tennant shows back up as yeah. a figment in Jessica Jones' mind. Which you know, it, it, which I hope it does, you know, pop up as not like similar or similarly, but just like just pops up around the fact that oh, it's just like the dark passenger has manifested himself as Trinity now. And Trinity is just got to be gloating into Dexter to kill, kill, kill and all that stuff. So I'm just waiting to see John Lithgow returning to a role that, you know, he's got to be, he'll, you know, John Lithgow will always be a great character actor, but Trinity is like one of those type of characters that he's just got to be synonymous with. Like, oh, like, yeah. the, same, like the same thing with Michael C. Hall is like, he is going to be synonymous with Dexter for, you know, oh, he might be, you know, people might know him from Six Feet Under or Gamer or what was that, uh, that Netflix show that he did uh, a few I years know, ago. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. The name always escapes me, though. But, it, like, he has a British accent, too. I think it was a, Brit, a, a British uh, show, too. So that's that yeah. But when you have, like, a, like a, um, a show like this, and you have character uh, characters you know and love, played by actors you know or already know could always carry the role. You know the the, the stare down between Dexter Morgan and his figment imagination or what have you of Trinity is going to be legendary. Mm-hmm. What what I do hope is that they do bring back Harry for a little bit because I do love James Remar's Harry because even though he's only there as the moral compass, as much as I love Jennifer Carpenter's Deborah. I don't see like Deborah being like the the moral compass that. Well, I don't think she's supposed to be the moral compass. I think she's just supposed to be a representation of Dexter's guilt. Ah, okay. Like the way how um Trinity Killer is just going to be like an, another representation of that, but more on his you know serial killer side of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, that's my I, that's my assumption. But like, it'd be great to see Harry again. Yeah. I, like I, he had some of the best lines. Like one of my favorite lines was like. I think it was from season three where he's like talking to Dexter. Did I forget it? A part of the code where I said, go far and preach wide, my son. Talking <laughs> Dexter for telling Miguel about the code. <laughs> you, you could tell that uh, Remar and Hall had a great uh, time just like ripping off each other because James Remar is another one of those actors who was like very underrated. Okay. And that, and that'll be another great uh, podcast thing and, and that episode to talk about, which is essentially, you know, underrated actors and all that stuff. But Oh, yeah, there's definitely one I have in mind. Uh, another talk for another day, so. <laughs> but, Hayden, thank you for being the, the co-host I, I need. Be well, be safe, and, yeah, just be well. Hayden, do you have any words of wisdom before you close? Uh, well, I want to say first, thanks for having me. Uh, I look forward to, do, to doing more of these podcasts with you. And if there's something, if there's a TV show or movie you like, no matter what people say, as long as you enjoy it, enjoy it.